Hey, Passionate DJs, from now until the end of August, get 15% off all Passionate DJ merch at passionatedj.com slash merch by using the coupon code AUGUST. Also, don't forget that we offer a monthly bonus show to patrons of the show. If you'd like to sign up, support us, and get free bonus content, subscribe now by visiting patreon.com slash passionatedj. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael. Today, we're talking about DJing and getting older. Now, don't worry, this isn't going to be a sad, reflective episode about getting older, not finding the time, and that sort of thing, you know, feeling jaded. Not that kind of episode. This is more of uh, taking some of the insight and wisdom from DJs who have been in this for a very long time and kind of taking that knowledge and seeing what we can glean from it as we get older. You know, this is something that's on my mind a little bit as I, you know, I'm I'm not all that old yet, but I, you know, as I approach 35 this year and I feel middle age barreling at me at full speed, <laughs> I do think a little bit about this, you know, how to fit DJing into my life when I have responsibilities and, you know, I'm a parent and a business owner and all these other things that I have that I want to do, it always feels like, you know, there are things that you have to sacrifice, and sometimes my DJing is affected by that. And so I kind of wanted to just go through and hear what other, like, really successful big-name DJs who've had long, successful careers think about this and uh, maybe just hear some of their insight so what I've done is um, I have an article which I wrote a few years ago and I've recently updated, and it's titled 20 DJs Over 50 Who Still Top the Bill. And so what I'm going to do is use that article as a sort of jumping off point for this episode, but I've also gone through and found a whole bunch of different interview clips of these DJs, who, or at least some of these DJs in the article, uh, where I found them kind of either reflecting back on their career, talking about how the industry's changed, or anything like that. So I'll be sprinkling those sound clips throughout the episode. Wanted to read a couple of quick iTunes reviews. iTunes user Yoga Light gave a five-star review and said that the Passionate DJ podcast is from the heart, real, and useful. Thanks. User The Mellow Cat left a five-star review and said, Even though I've been DJing for eight years, it's always good to learn more. And then one of our Patreon subscribers, Ethonia, she says, I love this podcast and even subscribe with a monthly payment to their Patreon after party. This gives us an additional hour of information relevant to the modern working DJ. My favorite parts are the equipment reviews. What's missing? We need more samples of new releases. There don't seem to be any podcasts, at least in my searches, that highlight the new music releases from Beatport, Juno Download, etc. 
So she talks a little bit about wanting to audition these tracks. And so for those of you who are already Patreon subscribers, you probably have noticed that I started experimenting with this idea. This is something a few people have suggested. And uh, I haven't heard a whole lot of feedback on it. People seem to have liked it, but uh, I could really use uh, that feedback to know whether you would like more segments like that. Uh, basically what I did for, I think it was the episode before last, I did a segment going over the Beatport Top 10 where I just listened to the preview clips and sort of gave my reaction to those clips. Uh, there are a number of ways we could approach that. You know, every week we could pick a different genre, we could pick a different distribution source or something like that. Uh, or maybe it's something we don't do every week. Maybe it's something we do only in after party or maybe it's something we do on the main show once a month. Not really sure yet, but just sort of toying with that idea. So I would love any feedback you have on that. Um, if you would like to leave a review, uh, iTunes or Facebook would be the place to do that. Uh, on Facebook, just go to facebook.com slash passionate DJ. Uh, there's a little section there to leave a rating and review. It really does help when you leave these reviews. It helps when people are seeking us out or they happen into us. They run into our profiles on social media. You know, having all those ratings and reviews there lets people know that we have an engaged, interested audience and it makes them want to be a part of it. So we really do appreciate those. I have a pretty cool announcement for Patreon this week. Uh, I've been kind of pushing this a little bit hard. You know, we've been trying to get to our goal of 30 patrons, which we have not reached yet, but my announcement is that we have surpassed the halfway mark towards our summer goal. So we've been trying to get 30 patrons, and as of me recording this right now, we're at 16, and we've got several of those in the past week. So you new patrons who have just signed up, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. You are allowing this to continue. You're helping make this happen. It uh, truly warms my heart to know that you guys are interested in more content and uh, some of you have even been signing up uh, above the reward tiers that we offer. You know, right now we're offering After Party as a bonus show. Some of you are signing up for, you know, double the amount just because you believe in our message. You want to support what we do. And that's just super awesome. So that's, uh, I'm really happy to be able to make that announcement. Thank you guys so much. And uh, I'm hoping that we can hit that 30 patron goal here in the next few weeks. Uh, it would be awesome to be able to set a new goal, and a new goal would probably come along with some kind of new piece of content or some other kind of reward tier to uh, sweeten the deal. So I would love to be having that conversation here in the next several weeks about what new rewards that we can offer to those of you who are just the most hardcore, passionate DJ supporters. Now, I do need to remind you listeners that uh, we are taking a break through the month of August. Uh, we're still going to be working in the meantime. You know, we're going to be sort of queuing up a couple of shows, uh, just getting a little bit caught back up. Uh, still be releasing videos to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash passionate DJ. Our next episode after this one will actually land on Labor Day. That's September 3rd. So, uh, you know, we haven't gone anywhere. Um, they, we have over 150 back episodes that you can listen to in the meantime. If there's something you'd like to uh, get caught up on, go back and revisit. Um, I had somebody, a new listener, tweet at me the other day saying, Oh, I just finally found the best DJ podcast ever, and now you're taking a break. 
<laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, we're just trying to get a little bit caught up. But uh, like I said, we do have 150 back episodes. Uh, if you guys want to uh, have a recommendation, if there's something specific that you would like to listen to, uh, there's a question that you need answered that you think maybe we've covered on the show before, or you just want a general recommendation along those lines, uh, just go ahead and tweet at me. And uh, it's at DJ with passion, at DJ with passion on Twitter. And uh, I'll give you a recommendation for something to listen to uh, through the month of August if you just uh, can't get enough and you can't wait. Now, the one exception will be, of course, for Patreon subscribers. We'll still put together a bonus episode uh, for you patrons, so don't worry about that. All right, before we get into our main topic, I do want to take a voicemail message from Nick Gavouche, and he's replying to uh, passionatedj.com slash 152. That's the do's and don'ts of mobile DJing. Let's go ahead and listen to that now. Hey guys, this is Nick from Nashville area, anyway. And uh, I was listening to the podcast about DJ do's and don'ts and about knowing your music and knowing your crowd and all that stuff. And I suddenly remembered this time when I was 10, 12 years old and it was at my grandparents' 50th anniversary wedding party and they'd hired a DJ and catering and all this stuff. And I was, I don't know, there was probably 50 or 60 people there maybe and, and the DJ was taking requests and, and my cousin came up with this great idea that he was going to ask for him to play this song because it was some new awesome song. Or So we both go up to the DJ table and, and ask the guy, hey, you know, play this song and it's going to be great and, and we're all excited about it I had no idea what was going to happen and we sat back down at our table and kind of sat back to observe you know our handiwork or whatever and he puts on the devil went down to Georgia and cleared the dance floor and uh, it was a pretty awkward several minutes for everyone there at the event and he walks over to us and he said pretty much uh, if you ever ask for a song and you best be up there dancing for it. And uh, I'll, I'll always remember that. It was just, it was, it was terrible. <laughs> and it was like a train wreck. I don't know. And exciting at the same time. So he should have known better to play that song. So I don't really take too much pity on him because, you know, it was a room full of, you know, old people or whatever. And it was a terrible idea. And so just kind of goes to show you, yeah, know your music because you don't know what kind of bomb you're going to drop in the room and what might come of it, speaking of dropping a bomb on you. <laughs> so anyway, thanks uh, thanks for the show and everything. It's great. I look forward to the episodes, and I hope you guys continue success in your journey of spreading the passion for the craft. It's great. Hey, Nick, thanks a bunch for the kind words. So the devil went down to Georgia, cleared the dance floor. Yeah, I guess that was an early lesson in... Uh, crowd reading, uh, even if it wasn't from the perspective of the person who was DJing at the time. Uh, sounds like he was a little upset, but I also agree with your assessment that, uh, you know, the DJ is the one responsible for whatever comes out of the speakers, uh, whether you or your friend or anybody else requested it. It's kind of on them. It's uh, it's why they're there, you know, as the music selector. It's It's their job to figure out what the right track is going to be to play at the time. And if it's not right, uh, whether you guys request it or not, it's kind of on the DJ. And that's why we talk about all this, right? Uh, by the way, Nick, I wanted to let you know, so Nick is a longtime listener of the show. And uh, way back 
on episode 100. We did episode 100 live, and Nick sent in a very nice letter and also cut a bunch of vinyl decals for us. Uh, Nick, I wanted to let you know that I finally put up my Passionate DJ podcast vinyl decal up. I'd been holding on to it. I'd, I'd put the uh, the logo on a couple of different things. I've got one on my laptop, but I had the full you know, banner style one that actually says podcast on it. I've been holding on to it for a while because I wasn't sure what to do with it, but I finally went ahead and stuck it on the rave fridge. And those of you who follow me on uh, Instagram probably would uh, know what the rave fridge is out here in the studio. It's just an old beat up refrigerator that we keep, you know, water, beer, stuff like that in. And I've just begun to cover it in decals because, uh, I don't know, I just want to rave it out. So it's got, uh, you know, three-dimensional entertainment stickers and uh, all kinds of local, ravey, eventy, EDM, dance event type stuff all over it. And uh, so now the Passionate DJ podcast is uh, front and center on the top of that. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and get into our main topic. And like I said, I'm going to be using my article, 20 DJs Over 50 Who Still Top the Bill, as a bit of a jumping off point for this episode. So basically what I did was I took DJs that were over 50 who have had long successful careers and I kind of put them uh, all on this list and I start the list out with uh, one of the greatest, the magnificent, DJ Jazzy Jeff. Now whether you know Jeffrey Towns as one half of Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince duo or as Jazz from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or as a true turntable champion there's no denying the impact that he's had on the DJ community. He's been a hardworking DJ since the early 80s and just shows no signs of slowing down. He still tours all over the place. He gives great interviews talking about the state of DJing and even performed some scratch overdubs for that film that came out in 2015, Straight Outta Compton. Now, over the course of his career, The Magnificent has received many accolades, including a DMC championship and multiple Grammy and American Music Awards and nominations. Now, in this clip, he's having a conversation at Loop 2016, which was presented by Ableton. And he talks a little bit about uh, how he's learned and adjusted as the industry has changed over the years. And also tells a really interesting story about Mac Miller. Let's check it out. Um, maybe about 10 years ago, I was touring in Thailand, and I went to a mall in Thailand, and I bought the entire, I'm sorry to say that, but I bought the entire collection of the Beatles for $20. And I paid for it, and they, they gave me the, the DVD, and I walked out, and I remember walking into the middle of the mall, and I looked at it, and I said, it's over. It's over. The way that we know music is over. Like if, if I, first of all, if I just paid $20 for the Beatles catalog, what's my catalog worth? <laughs> but the one thing that I think I felt comforted in knowing is we will never ever live in a world without music. So now you just gotta figure out, okay, if I'm making money off of music, how is that going to work going forward? Because the way that it worked 20 years ago is gone. So I, that, that started me thinking. Um, and, and 
ironically, I um, I, I I text Mac Miller and told him that I was a big fan of his music and just the way that he was putting stuff out. Um, and he came to the studio and we sat down and he came to the studio to pick my brain, but actually I invited him to the studio to pick his brain because what I wanted to make sure, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't the old guy in the club. I wanted to make sure that me and all of the rest of my peers were saying how fucked up the music industry is Am I tripping? Because he doesn't seem to think it's fucked up. So let me find out his perspective because maybe I'm tripping. And I sat down with him and um, maybe about 30 minutes into the conversation, he, he, you know, he started to open up and he said to me, he said, can I be honest with you? And I was like, sure. He said, you know what the problem is with your generation? You focus so much off of making money off of your music. And I just looked at him and he said, how much is a CD? And I said, $10. He said, how much is a t-shirt? $25, $30. He said, why don't you give a CD to everybody who buys a t-shirt? He said, you make more money and everybody thinks it's cooler to buy a t-shirt than music. And I sat there and I said, shit. <laughs> that was the smartest shit anybody could say. Like I was tripping, I was like, like I'm looking at him like, what? And he said his first five projects he put out for free because what he felt was more important was developing his fan base than making money off of the music. Because once you get a fan base, they'll buy your underwear. They won't just buy your music, they'll buy your concert tickets, they'll buy your underwear, they'll buy shoelaces. If they're a fan, they buy everything. He's like, you're so focused on selling this one piece of music instead of bringing people and buying a piece of yourself. And he left and I completely changed my outlook on the way things were because I understood why that generation thought that today's music industry is the greatest shit ever. And I was like, I'm tripping. Next up on the list, Ben Watt, at the age of 55. One half of the duo, Everything But The Girl, Ben Watt is not only a DJ, he's a singer, songwriter, author, and a musician too. He was the son of a jazz musician and a show business writer, so perhaps he was just destined for a life in music. Now, he's established successful music labels, including the well-known Buzz and Fly. I'm sure many of you have heard of that. This is an independent deep house and techno label which fostered the careers of then-up-and-coming DJs such as Justin Martin. Number three on the list, Carl Cox, 55 years old. What can you even say about Carl? He's a techno and house icon. He's a monthly DJ for BBC's Radio 1 Essential Mix. He was the owner of two record labels and even has his own stage at various festivals. Now, uh, he celebrated their 10-year anniversary at Ultra. He was joined on the stage by Pete Tong, Dubfire, Marco Bailey, etc. 
And I put in the article that the gap-toothed smile of this dance music legend is etched into the minds of thousands of club goers and music lovers the world abroad. And I have a clip from Radio Sunshine Live. This is from April of this year. And by the way, of course, I will be putting links and attributions to all of the interviews that I pulled from in the show notes of this episode. You can get to that at passionatedj.com slash 153. Here is the clip with Carl Cox. So last time we spoke, you were telling me that you want to take a little bit uh, yourself back and get more time for yourself. But I just see you all around the world again. <laughs> and you just dropped a new label also. Yeah, you know, I, I, I mean, in the early days um, of me playing everywhere, you know, I probably was playing about 160 parties a year. So I kind of slowly but surely now decided that that for me to have a little bit of life now outside of the music industry um, is to, to, cut, to cut down some of the DJing and because it's not actually the DJing or the time of me playing, it's the, it's the actual travel to get to a lot of these places. It's what's really uh, upsetting me in some ways. It's, it's, it's hard to, 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 to continue strong when you're so tired in, in such a way. And I don't, don't want to force that. So my idea was to slow down the parties, to only do what I need to do. And, um, and, and I, I feel that the, the parties become more quality if I'm choosing those parties uh, carefully to do. And, and with that, I'm able to give myself more time in my recording studio. I have created a, a brand new record label called Awesome Soundwave. And the idea with the label is to, is to have our, uh, artists who are able to play their music live. So I'm able to put all their music out in one go. Now, Carl is a man after my own heart. He's the founder of Carl Cox Motorsport, which uh, incorporates various styles of motor racing. Next on the list, David Morales, 56 years old. He's uh, really well known for his remixes. He uh, basically remixed every pop song in the 90s into a club-friendly dance track. He still continues to play shows and release singles after 30 years in the business. He's a Grammy-winning producer and remix artist. He's the former owner of Stereo Nightclub in Montreal. And uh, he's basically considered to be one of the first superstar DJs. I still occasionally play his track, How Would You Feel, uh, when I think that there's a crowd that needs a little bit of feel-good house music. I've got a clip here from IMS, that's uh, International Music Summit, in Ibiza 2015. He was being interviewed by Pete Tong, and he tells us the most important thing about being a DJ in the long term. I think the most important thing is to have passion. I mean, because I always told an aspiring DJ, I'm like, as long as you love music, nobody can take that away from you, ever. You know what I mean? So don't get into it because you want to arrive somewhere. Because f for a, a guy from me and my generation, it wasn't about arriving anywhere. It was a side job. I, I think it's amazing to see what it's become, what it's, what it's, um, where it's arrived, to witness it, to still be a part of it as well, to to be proud that you're one of the pioneers and one of the reasons why this is what it is, what it is today. I, I say, one, have passion. Two is learn how to make music because it's really important. If you know about creating music, it will make you a better DJ to understand melodies better, and then you can make records talk to each other even better. Next up on the list at 54 years old, Derek May. Now, May's created with creating a 
futuristic variant of house music that would later be dubbed techno, of course alongside his friends Juan Atkins and Kevin Saunderson. For two years, he was in charge of the famous Detroit Electronic Music Festival. Now, I don't have a clip for Derek May, but you can listen to lots of clips and info on him and the other Belleville 3 on our episode titled The Belleville 3. You can listen to that at passionatedj.com slash 144. He was credited as saying, as describing his sound as George Clinton meeting Kraftwerk in an elevator. Number six, DJ Hell, 55 years old. He's a German house and techno legend, and he's been responsible for many of the big dance records that came out of Berlin in the 90s. Now, I was actually introduced to DJ Hell myself through controversy back in 2009, which involved Felix the Housecat and Diddy, of all people. Felix announced that DJ Hell's track called The DJ, which featured Diddy in it, uh, used content which was taken without permission. It was a big thing. But uh, that doesn't define his whole legacy. You know, he's, uh, he's no stranger to receiving accolades and awards for his work. Uh, in 2002, he was crowned Man of the Year by GQ magazine. Next on the list, at 62 years old, DJ Cool Herc. Also known as Clive Campbell, Jamaican-born DJ Cool Herc. He's often credited for helping develop the idea of rapping and having a huge influence in hip-hop in general, but it's important to not dismiss his huge contributions in the realm of DJing. He had a propensity for hard funk records, which was a natural progression from the waning disco era for clubgoers. He developed a style of playing music using two turntables and often used two copies of the same record to elongate the instrumental breaks in funk records. Basically, because of DJ Cool Herc, hip-hop was born, but not only hip-hop, uh, so was the our modern concept of DJing. Uh, so he's, uh, he's kind of a big deal. But moving on to the next entry on the list, at uh, our oldest DJ on the list, Giorgio Moroder, at 77. Now, he's not just, obviously, an experienced DJ. He's also a songwriter, producer. Uh, he's got basically one of the best resumes in history. He's worked with names like Donna Summer, and he's credited with helping to pioneer electronic dance music like overall in general a few years back he had a resurgence in popularity because he you know did a bunch of work on daft punk's album random access and they even created a uh, a namesake track that was dedicated to him i've got a clip here from videodrome discotheque back in 2014 was it strange to find yourself back in the spotlight just slightly before this happened i started to do a little bit of a dj so, but very small, so I had already a little bit the feel, oh, maybe, maybe I, a second career could start. And then in May, when the record came out, uh, my whole life changed. And you, you mentioned DJing. You've become a kind of very much in demand DJ. I think you described it somewhere as being a bit like Michael Jackson. <laughs> it is, it is. I always wanted to be a singer, and not only a singer, but a famous singer. To be up there and you have a thousand people, and that's what's happening now. I was in Mexico at a festival. There were probably 20,000 people, and it's like, it's like an ocean. It's beautiful. So you're really enjoying it, Oh, obviously. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Next on the list, 60 years old, Grandmaster Flash. 
another hip-hop pioneer. He was hugely influential in the way that hip-hop DJing is performed even today. Now, along with his Furious Five, he was the first hip-hop act to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, Grandmaster Flash is credited with perfecting scratching, punch phrasing, uh, backspin, basically a lot of these cutting, mixing, turntable techniques that we know and love today, we owe all that to Grandmaster Flash. So um, I've got a clip here. I apologize that the audio is a little bit weird, uh, but it comes from an interview with Ann Mavity in 2014, and he tells us a little bit about what it was like to DJ back in the 70s and then uh, sort of what his favorite time period in DJing is. What was it like to DJ in the 70s? It was the experimental years. And during those experimental years, I figured out a way to take the break from a pop record and connect it to a jazz record and connect it to a blues record, and connect it to an R&B record and connect it to a funk record, each time to the beat. So it, it was the experimental years of taking all the wonderful music from the 70s because I am a strong believer that the 70s probably made the best grooves ever and it spawned the 80s and so on and so on and so on so during the 70s i was able to play a michael jackson into a billy squire into an incredible bongo band into queen and into like all these all these different genres were quite wonderful and the grooves were so hot then so that there is was it your favorite decade to uh, dj in i think my I don't know if I have a favorite decade because every country that I go to, I learn something new. I learn what not to do and what to do. So it's a progress. It's, a, it, it's in works. So that's, that's the only answer I can give you right now because I'm still doing it. It's constant development, constant combination. Probably. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Well, that would make this decade the best because you've got the most behind you. I'd have to say far as an audience, I probably had the biggest audience this year than ever in my career. Um, I get lots of love from around the planet now. It's really wonderful to be recognized as a DJ who has contributed to this culture we call hip hop. Next up, Greg Wilson, 57 years old. He's associated with the early 80s electro scene, but more recently, he's been viewed as a prime mover in the sort of disco edit movement. Now, he's been doing this for years and years and years, and even accounting for more than a decade of hiatus, he's just had a massively successful career over the years. Uh, he's also a writer. He's brought a lot of attention to the contributions of black musicians in shaping modern dance music culture, and uh, he still blogs about the music and the culture that he knows so well to this day. I have a clip here where Greg Wilson talks about the, the rarity of music and uh, you know, just talks about nostalgia and uh, the present day when it comes to his DJing. This clip comes from the DJ Mag Best of British Awards 2015 and was published by Point Blank Music School. Well, they, they're available to everyone, but there's so many of them that finding them is, is the trick. So if you go back in time, there was less dance music being released. So a DJ like myself 
in the mid to late 70s could keep tabs pretty much on most of the stuff that was coming out in the UK and could then start looking at US imports as I moved on. I became more and more up front. I was playing the latest music coming out of New York in the early 80s. Now it's different. I play mainly re-edits. I, I reference the past, but do it in a contemporary way, a way that makes sense now. I don't want to be nostalgic. I don't want to be the guy playing the golden oldies. I mean, it's a matter of um, having a context where it makes sense now. And the people who are re-editing and reworking tracks and working from stems, that's exactly what they're doing. They're, they're taking from the past but they're not putting a straight house beat underneath a classic record. Uh, they're being a lot more respectful than that, and they're working within the structure of the record to, to enhance it. So they're looking to give it more definition, more bottom end, put it in time so it's mixable. From that respect, I'm a very different DJ now to what I was then. But the process of finding music, although it's completely different, I think it's just as difficult because in this information age that we live in, we're just bombarded completely left, right and centre with stuff from all over the place. And, and you can never hope to hear all the tunes that are there and available. I mean, it's like myself as a DJ, I, I, I miss all sorts along the way. And I'll hear another DJ in another continent sometimes playing something and say, what's that? You know, they say, oh, it's such and such. And it's like, wow, how did I miss that? But you're missing it because there's so so much happening, there's so much coming through all the time. It's very exciting to me too. The I've, I've started a record label, Super Weird Substance, that we put out eight singles this year. Now I want to put them out as stems. I want to be in there at the off with this technology because it makes sense, it makes sense. This is where we're headed to now. The DJ and originally was the transmitter of music who bought the records and played them to people Whereas a DJ's much more, a DJ's many more things. They're still the transmitter of music, but they're also the maker of music and the manipulator of music. So this is where we're headed to now. And these new technologies, you know, I'm all for. Jeff Mills, age 55, also known as the Wizard. Jeff Mills is known for using three decks, a 909 drum machine, and up to 70 records in an hour. Now, Mills is so known and respected amongst techno enthusiasts that even Eminem had to give him props. So in the song Groundhog Day from the Marshall Mathers LP2, he has this lyric, and I'm going to go ahead and play the clip for you now. I don't have an interview clip, but I do have a clip from this Eminem song. So here's the clip. And one day Uncle Ronnie brought over this little bit different music into the picture and it became my new religion. I remember it clearly, even today. Michigan again, it with my grandma Nan, always itching for something to do with flipping through radio stations one day and discovered this DJ who was mixing. I say it to this day, if you ain't listen to the wizard, you ain't have a fucking clue what you was missing. I zone out with my headphones, all I'm in my doing is wishing. Okay, so in case that was hard to hear, the, the critical lyric there was, I discovered this DJ who was mixing, and I say it to this day, if you ain't listened to the wizard, you ain't have a fucking clue what you was missing. Okay, which I found kind of interesting coming from the person who said nobody listened to techno, but hey, nice shout out to Jeff Mills from Eminem. That was kind of cool. Next on the list, Joey Negro, 53 years old, also known as Dave Lee. Now, he's produced a number of well-known house records over the years and uh, actually even had a couple of top 40 hits. He's got like a million pseudonyms, um, and a lot of his releases were actually his monitor as part of the sunshine band 
Uh, he's put together over 20 albums, which usually have featured rare club and disco music. Now, I have a clip here from DMC Magazine. This is an older clip. It's from 2012. But he talks a little bit about how the music industry has changed in the previous two decades. I think more than any other industry I can think of, the music industry's changed so much in the last 20 years. I mean, there's been two things that have changed, big things. One is the internet. The internet, the way you consume music, buy music, and also the digital file. I suppose up until about 2003, 2004, if you wanted a piece of music, you had to buy it. You had to buy the CD or you had to buy the record. I suppose now you don't have to buy it. It's quite easy to either go extract it from your friend's CD or get it online for nothing, unfortunately. That's changed everything so much. I mean, back in like when I was first releasing records throughout the 90s and whatever, you know, if there was a record that you made it, say you made a hit or a potential hit, you might release maybe a thousand white labels, you might even sell 5,000 of it on your own label, but then they would delete it and then they could build up demand over the course of three or four months, enough to push that record into the charts when they did re-release it, you know, and uh, that happened loads of times, Voodoo Ray, Expansions, Move Your Body, there's so many examples of records that were big club hits, probably sold quite a lot and then supplies cut off leave it for three months then it goes into the top 40 and then it gets to a whole new audience and that record becomes a proper crossover hit you can't do that anymore you've got to keep it on sale all the time because otherwise people are going to get it for nothing so it's very difficult for an underground record to get into the top 40 now because there's no way you can but you can't ever build up a big demand for something because as soon as we get something in and we promo it, we pretty much have to release it at the same time. We can't sort of think, okay, we're going to get all the DJs in the country playing this, everyone going out and hearing it weekends, going to the record shop and asking for it, because they can just, unfortunately, they go and look online and they can probably get it for nothing. So you have to give them the opportunity to buy it rather than get it for nothing, but that means it's, it's very hard to, for anything to ever that's just a big club record to build up that momentum to get it into the top 40. So that's a big change. There's lots of positives. I mean, I think I'm not someone who's, oh, it was better back then, it's worse now. I think there's, with any change, there's some good and some bad. I mean, I've got my own website. I can sell direct to the public. And on some releases, we sell a lot of them. You know, I'm surprised we can sell a few hundred of something, which I'm keeping all the money from those releases. Um, you don't need to go into a 500 pound a day studio to make a record. Lots of people are making records on their laptops. I don't know if that's always a good thing because it just means we've got lots more product out there and always, not always lots of product doesn't necessarily mean lots of good product. I think there's lots of average product and I think sometimes that can just flood the market and make it just harder to find the good stuff. I still think there's just as much good stuff if not more you know good music being made but it just means that on Beatport every week there's like 5,000 releases or something and it's impossible to listen to all of them. You don't, you know, to, to commit to pressing it up to vinyl meant there had to be some sort of, um, not necessarily quality control because lots of rubbish records made it to vinyl, but there had to be some sort of investment in it. So to get some sort, to get that investment, there had to be some sort of, I suppose, people thought they could get their money back. Whereas uh, now I think, you know, if someone's knocked something up together, they've got nothing to lose by releasing it. Next on the list, another member of the Belleville Three, Juan Atkins, 
age 55. Now, back in the 80s, he taught Derek May how to mix and formed a DJ duo called Deep Space. And along with Kevin Saunderson, he even started a club in downtown Detroit for local DJs to collab and mix together. Of course, we also can't forget his iconic work performing as Cybertron and Model 500. You know, Juan really has a lot to do with the existence of the techno music that we all love today. Uh, Once again, no clips for Juan Atkins, but I do have the entire episode dedicated to the Belleville 3, which you can get to by going to passionatedj.com slash 144. At the mature age of 68, Junior Vasquez shows no signs of slowing down. Now, he made a name for himself as a DJ by landing a residency at Club Baseline. That was in New York. But uh, only after producing and editing singles by artists like Madonna, Whitney Houston, Janet Jackson, MC Hammer, Prince, and Pet Shop Boys. Man, that's quite a resume. Now, actually, Vasquez had a conflict with Madonna back in 96 after releasing an unauthorized single called If Madonna Calls. The original version contained what is widely believed to be an actual phone, like a voice message, left from Madonna on Vasquez's answering machine. Now, many underground hits and various residencies later, Junior continues to play clubs all over the world. Next on the list, we keep coming back to the Belleville 3, Kevin Saunderson, age 53. A couple years ago, actually I've seen Kevin play a couple of times now, but a couple years ago I got the privilege to see him here in my hometown of Dayton, Ohio. And uh, gotta tell you, he's entirely worth the hype. He's a lot of fun as a DJ. Next on the list, Larry Hurd, also known as Mr. Fingers, age 57. Now he's mostly associated with Chicago House, and uh, he had a way of fusing dance music of the time with the soulful sounds of early disco. He's a multi-instrumentalist musician. He's been performing since he was a kid. I actually found out while researching the article that I was writing that Larry stopped touring for a while because he was concerned about his hearing. He'd been struggling with some hearing loss. But he has since uh, come back to the scene. He's playing shows again. And uh, I have an interview here from the end of 2017 uh, by Stamp the Wax. And he talks a little bit about his dreams, regrets, and the idea of following trends. I think every person has dreams. But some of those dreams turn into regrets, though, when you don't really undertake it a little bit. You you end up with regret, saying, I should have done it, I should have done this, should have done that. So I think that's what they're they're most proud of, that, you know, took a chance. They went outside of broke tradition. tend to follow trends at all. I tend to more kind of use it as a cue to go in another direction. My kind of music, I kind of always had DJs get mad at me because I won't stay on 124. I have the song that's 110 and the song that's 120. I think there's been a couple that might be 130, but very few. So I tend to kind of stay on the lower register as far as BPM. It's just where it feels best. Yeah, I go with the Quincy Jones motto, where it feels best is where it is best. I want it to come through my hands 
and more than coming through my brain, I think. Yeah. I get into mechanical routines that I don't even know why I'm doing it. I'm just doing it out of habit. You know? And I definitely don't want to do that with music where I'm just doing it out of habit and not because I want to do it, you know. And that's what you want to want to do it. And that's when it's going to have the most life. It was uh, different because it had been a long time for me, at least even five years since I've been done any kind of DJing events. So, but it was good. It was energizing and reinvigorating and fun and all that stuff and, and scary. All these different emotions kind of moving through you simultaneously and kind of get you going. A lot of people dancing, which is definitely what you want, people dancing. So all of the right things were happening. You know? And they were clapping for me, and I was clapping for them, you know. We're, we're all part of this, you know. I didn't think to do it, I just did it. And a lot of things that I've been involved in, there's very little thinking. It's more, I feel like doing it, so I'm doing it. All right, next up on the list, we've got Marley Marl at age 55. Uh, this guy is like extremely important to hip hop. Uh, basically, he's the first guy to discover how to sample his records and sequence them to make a rap beat. Uh, that's pretty damn important for hip hop. He was also known as Mr. Magic. He was an experienced radio DJ, and to this day, he runs his golden era radio on WBLS. And he still tours the world, sharing his love of early hip-hop. Number 18, Norman Cook, age 54. Now, some of you might not recognize the name Norman Cook, so uh, if you don't recognize that name, how about Fat Boy Slim? That should ring a bell. Now, as a solo electronic act, he's won 10 MTV Music Awards, two Brit Awards, and along with maybe three or four other artists, he's uh, basically responsible for the whole big beat movement uh, back in the 90s. Now, I have a clip here from London Real. This is from the end of last year. And he talks a little bit about his overall goals as a performer. And so when you come in here, well, back in the day, when you're sitting down, I'm like, all right, I'm going to create some sounds that make people happy. I mean, yeah. that's your goal. Yeah. You're transferring energy, right? Yeah. I'm just trying to make sounds that, that would turn people on. If it, 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 that will make them high, or if they're high, it'll make them higher. Higher, okay. Um, uh, by whatever means necessary. Sometimes it, it would mean me getting quite high while I was making them. Would that uh, help them get high sometimes? Yeah, sometimes. Not, it's, again, it's not exact science. <laughs> sometimes I just end up really high and make a really shit tune. But um, no, it's just... There's a lot of experimentation, a lot of, yeah, for every hit that came out of this studio, there's a lot of rubbish. Right, people forget that, right? Yeah, you, I've always said you can't make an omelette without breaking a few eggs, but uh, you, you, hopefully you didn't get to hear too much of the rubbish. And when it comes to performing, you're all about connecting with the audience, right? I mean, yeah. You said that, I think you said eye contact is your big thing when you're teaching. Eye contact, physical contact. Physical contact is a bit more difficult. Did you used to jump um, out and surf in the crowd? And Yeah, I, I still, yeah, I still like to get out there, but 
you kind of get mauled a bit. Since they invented self, um, selfies, it's kind of hard to get around. It's drinks, um, people putting their hand over to shake your hand. I mean, I try and do as many fist bumps and handshakes as I can, but there's equipment around there that gets knocked and people's drink, people got, people try and shake your hand with a drink in their hand. It's like, no, 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 that's not gonna work with all these electrics around here. But yeah, no, I, no, I like to, yeah, it, that's for me, it's not, that's the difference between a DJ and a rock star. A rock star wants to be on a, on a pedestal, on a stage and he wants, a pit and security between him and the crowd, and he wants to make him stand there and strut, and everybody looks at him and applauds. The DJ wants to be part of the party. We want to be involved. We want to be. We want to be in control of it, but we we don't necessarily want the spotlight on us. Right. You know, the crowd is the star of the show, and we're just providing the soundtrack. All right, we're coming to the end of the list here, but we couldn't round it out without talking about. Paul Oakenfold at the age of 54. Now, he's been twice voted the number one DJ in the world. And, uh, of course, you're probably aware of his Perfecto records. But, uh, actually, his first gigs involved playing soul music at a wine bar. Um, he was also an A&R rep, and he was responsible for signing salt and Peppa and DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Uh, he's written hits for people like Madonna and Cher. I mean, he's just got one of the most seasoned resumes you're ever going to find in this industry. I have a clip here from Billboard's series called Beyond the Beats. This comes from May 2015. And Paul talks a little bit about the rise of EDM in America and technology and DJing. The electronic scene is really popular and the culture's become mainstream, so everyone wants a piece of it. Two acts, Lady Gaga and Black Eyed Peas suddenly went electronic and it was all over the radio. Became a gold rush. The electronic scene now is really the youth of America in such a big way. EDC Vegas, there's 300,000 people there. That's a big number. I believe we as a community are in a wonderful place. Because of technology, it's made it much easier to be a DJ. These days for a lot of people, it's done on their laptops. Young, fresh, new, we're trying things, we're doing things. It's not the stereotype image that you thought of a DJ now. They're producers, they're mixers, they're collaborating with various different artists. There's a lot of great, great talent out there and we're bringing a lot to the table. Now, for those of you who are local listeners here in Ohio, I do need to mention that on September 22nd, Three Dimensional Entertainment is bringing Paul Oakenfold to Dayton at the Basque. So you'll be hearing Function One Sound, Paul Oakenfold, and our very own Trip Turlington will be doing the warm-up slot uh, for that show. Once again, September 22nd, uh, basically uh, not too long after we come back after our short break. Three Dimensional brings Paul Oakenfold to the Mask in Dayton. That's going to be a lot of fun. I've got one more DJ on the list that we're going to send out with on this clip. And uh, it's a DJ that we've mentioned earlier but haven't uh, dedicated a slot to here. And number 20 is Pete Tong. 
now at the age of 57 he's still going strong Pitong is a global ambassador for electronic music. He's been a radio presenter for BBC and uh, obviously has been the host of the popular Essential Mix show for many years. Uh, he still tours internationally and holds a long-running residency at Pasha in Ibiza and really is just a shining example of a DJ who wears many different hats and he's just one of the hardest working guys in the biz. And in this clip from O2 Academy TV back in 2014, he talks a little bit about how DJing has been almost an eternal side gig for him, uh, and yet it's been a super successful career. So we're going to end on this clip. Uh, once again, we are taking a break for the month of August. Don't go anywhere. Uh, if you want to stay in touch in the meantime, join us on the Passionate DJ community group. You can get to that by going passionatedj.com forward slash community. Um, as of right now, I think there's 400 members or so in the group. Uh, let's see if we can get that up to 500 throughout the month of August. That would be awesome. Don't forget, sign up on Patreon, patreon.com slash passionatedj if you do want to get access to our bonus content. And we will see you on Labor Day. Thank you guys so much. Take care. Ciao. I started DJing so long ago um, when I was a kid that um, you know no one um, no one would consider being a DJ um, a career. So being a DJ was always um, like a hobby, um, and you know from my parents or just the way society viewed you, you know you you, you couldn't make a living at being a DJ unless you were a radio DJ. Uh, I never. It was. I, I, it was never a proper job. Hence, hence how I got another job. <laughs> so I started. You know, I was. I, I was a journalist, and I was selling advertising for a music magazine. And um, all the time I was DJing, and then eventually got into the record company. Um, not until kind of recently, like ten years ago, that just over that I became you know a professional DJ, even though I DJed all my life. Uh, so I suppose that's. Why, why I'm still DJing because I think maybe if it, the only thing I'd done is DJing I probably would have stopped by now or done something else but because I've always had other things to do that keeps the DJing side quite fresh you know but I think music's still going to be huge and will continue to be huge and I'm sure will be a major part of people's lives for, for eternity.
there, I, I know so many legendary producers, singers, songwriters that have a catalog of stuff just sitting there and you have no idea what they're waiting for to share it to the world. Like it's not going to go back to the way it was. So I, the, the, and I, and I kind of said this in the video, the th one of the things that drives me absolutely crazy is when I know someone who's extremely talented and they're not doing anything with their talent because their spirit is broken. Everybody's spirit is broken. Everybody's spirit, everybody's spirit is broken, you know, and you have to get away from what broke your spirit. One of the panels was with um, D-Nice and Romfest, and it was talking about diversifying, you know, some of the things you do, because somebody like D-Nice was a producer, he was a rapper, he's a very accomplished photographer, he's a very accomplished DJ now. Um, and before the panel, we were sitting down talking, and Romfest said to D-Nice, you know, when the panel's over, I'm gonna ask you to spit a rhyme. And D-Nice said, I don't do that anymore. And he said, what, why? And he started going through this long list, you know, where this happened to me and this person burnt me and I never got paid from this and this and, and such and such happened and this. And I was just sitting there and I stopped him. And I said, but what did the music do to you? What did the music do wrong to you? And he looked at me and I said, it's funny how you quit the thing that you love that did absolutely nothing to you. Get away from all of the people that did you wrong, but don't quit the music. I don't know anybody that music has done wrong. 